Well, we've already heard the Christmas story in the passages read and the songs that we sang. But what I want to do this evening is explore the gospel of Luke. We all long to experience true peace. I mean, everyone in this room. Something to not only quiet the noise and and calm our thoughts, but to go beyond that. To, To make right what we know is wrong. To restore what we know is broken. And to satisfy us in a way that nothing and no one else can. And the story of Christmas is is the story of an unassuming child born to intervene and born to bring the kind of peace we all long for. Now, the Gospel of Luke is the only account of Jesus' life and ministry that actually describes his birth. And before going there, Luke wants to make sure that the reader, that we, understand why he's writing. And so I want to begin with Luke chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. I so appreciate Luke's straightforwardness. You know, in our day when truth is suspect, when it's, it's hard to trust what we're hearing because we wonder what a person's angle might be. But Luke is straight up. He's telling us why he's writing. He set out to provide this comprehensive and orderly account of Jesus' life and ministry. He begins with his gospel account. Uh, Here we call Luke, the gospel of Luke. And, And part two of that is the book of Acts. And so if you're looking for a place to begin in the Bible, if you want to read scripture, begin here with an account of Jesus' life. Begin in the book of Luke. And then carry on with the book of Acts. It tells you uh, the story of the early church, those first followers of Jesus. But here Luke, he took time to to gather eyewitness accounts and put it all together for a man named Theophilus. He, He wants Theophilus to have certainty concerning the things that he had been taught. Now look, some would argue in our day that you you can't be certain about anything, and they're certain about it. All right, but, but some also, look, we just, maybe you come here, though, but you're like, how, how can we know anything is true? And those are some honest questions you're wrestling with. Cynicism and, and speculation seem to rule the day. We all struggle with questions. We all struggle with doubts. Honest questions deserve honest answers. And so here, what questions do you come uh, here tonight with? about the Bible or Jesus or what it means to know him and follow him, this is a safe place to ask those questions. They aren't a threat to who Jesus is, and and they they aren't a nuisance either. Luke is writing that we might have certainty. So where does he start? Well, he starts in chapter one with these spectacular birth announcements, miraculous really, And and then it goes on to give us these prophetic songs of wonder and praise to God. And then in chapter 2, we see it, the story of an unassuming child born to intervene, born to bring true peace. And and that's what we want to explore here this evening. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days, 
a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. And so at this point, Mary and Joseph, they are legally pledged to be married. And she is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn or, or in the guest room. And so the first point this evening is an unassuming child. You know, when Augustus Caesar came into power, he promoted himself as the son of God. And so here is the supposed son of God making a mighty decree to number those under his rule, under his kingdom, a decree ironically and sovereignly, that leads Mary and Joseph back to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy about the true Son of God. And the description of Jesus' birth is, it's really straightforward here in Luke. You know, most homes in, in that day had one main room. These living quarters would be connected to an area where animals could be kept at night, especially in the cold of night. And in between that main living quarter and where animals were kept were was usually one or two mangers or eating troughs, feeding boxes, either cut into the stone or made out of wood. Some homes had a guest room off to the side or maybe as a second level. There was no room for them in the guest room, undoubtedly due to the census. And so they gave them the main living quarters. Here is an unassuming child, born to intervene. Let's pick up in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Jesus was born to intervene. It was customary in the Roman Empire for poets and heralds to declare peace and prosperity at the birth of emperors. So here is an announcement from heaven. A divine messenger appears to shepherds in the town of Bethlehem. These shepherds would, would have been considered outcasts of society, unclean, 
and despised, ridiculed, and, and belittled by many. It's just a little sneak preview into the ministry of Jesus. He would reach the poor and the despised, the broken and the marginalized of society, the outcasts. And the first thing the angel says to these shepherds is, fear not. Well, they were terrified. You would have been terrified too. This angelic being appears in the dark night sky. But it's as if this angelic being is saying, look, you can put your fears to rest. Why? Why could they put their fears to rest? Because of what the angelic being goes on to say next. God's promises of deliverance are coming true. Divine intervention is is happening. God is redeeming his people through Jesus, the Christ. Christ isn't a last name. It's not Mr. Christ. This is a title. Christ means anointed one, the king, the promised king that will rescue us out of our oppression. Oh, but not just oppression to Rome. Something more, something greater. When someone intervenes, they, they get in the way. They stop you from going down a particular path that would lead to hurt and pain. And that's what's happening here in the birth of Jesus. God isn't indifferent to to your pain and suffering, to your brokenness. He isn't indifferent. He hasn't forgotten us. It's as if the angelic being that night says this to the shepherds. Look, you've been on the outside looking in. You, You might be despised and dismissed here in society, but you will be the first to see this divine intervention with your own eyes. What is this? This is an invitation to the shepherds to see Jesus for who he is, to receive all that he has, and to bow their lives before him. Here we are, 2,000 years plus later. The announcement of Christmas now has, has reached our ears. The announcement of that angelic being has reached us. Fear not. Fear not. In other words, it's as if we're hearing this message of come out. Come on, come out from under the fear that you're alone. Come out from under the fear that you're forgotten. Come out from under the fear that you're too broken or insignificant. Come out from under the false hopes and empty promises that this world has to offer you. Come out from under the tyranny of sin and death. It's a message of intervention. It's a message of rescue. It's a message of peace, true peace, and joy. Look, Jesus was born into the ordinary. Like he was born into the heartache and the pain. He was born into the rejection and the brokenness. Why? To rescue us. I want to show you here what Hebrews says about the reason Jesus came. In Hebrews Chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The word means atoning sacrifice. 
that he might be the atoning sacrifice for us. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is why Jesus came. He was born into poverty. He was born under the brutal government of Rome. His family eventually became refugees, fleeing for their lives. He knew injustice. He knew poverty. He experienced firsthand the hardships of life, working and growing and and learning and obeying and washing and sweating and grieving and agonizing, being misunderstood and dismissed, being accused. But look, he, he wasn't born to simply identify with us. He was born to rescue us. He was born to intervene, to live a perfect life in our place and die a substitutionary death on the cross for our sins. To lift us out of that, to to reconcile us to himself, that we might have a restored relationship with the living God. That's why he came. This unassuming child would grow up to, to overcome our greatest fears and in a most unexpected way by laying down his life. Such humility. Such love on display here. God's promises have come true at last. And in other words, the, the angel is saying to, to the shepherds, you can go see him now. The sign that I'm not joking around, the sign that, that you've found the right baby, oh, he'll be wrapped up in lying in a feeding trough. You won't find him in a large home or anything like that, but a simple home, a lot like your own. So go. Finally, Jesus is born to bring true peace. After the angels told the shepherds to go and the sign that they would find when when they did go, the dark night sky cracked open and this army, this choir of angels were praising God, singing glory. means honor and praise to God. And on earth, peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now look, This announcement of peace, it's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew shalom, which means wholeness, restoration, healing, reconciliation. I mean, a restored relationship. We all experience relational conflict. We all experience physical pain or emotional turmoil, the loss of a loved one. But deeper than that, Deeper than that is a sinful condition that can only be made right by faith in Jesus. It's why he was born. And the angels are declaring, look, the promised king, this promised prince of peace, he's here. The one who will right all your wrongs and restore what is broken, who will take what is fragmented and scattered and unraveling, and he'll make it new. And the New Testament goes on to describe those who are in Christ. They're made new creations in Christ Jesus. The the new has begun here with us. He makes us new where we find true forgiveness lifted out of our sin and shame. Hope, not a wishful thinking, but a certainty rooted in who Jesus is and And what he did for us, 
Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you have the light of life? Have you put your faith in Jesus? The place to begin, a simple prayer. I surrender. I look to you, Jesus, as Savior, as my rescuer, as my king. The only one who can lift me out of this sin, this brokenness that I'm in. So Israel's prophets were shouting God's promises for centuries. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah, the prophet, spoke of a sign, a banner that would be held up for all peoples, signaling God's faithfulness and love, an invitation to everyone that they can experience true peace. Jesus is that banner. Jesus is that sign. People from every nation have been looking to Jesus ever since and finding true reconciliation with God, restoration and wholeness. Have you? Have you? Have you found this reconciliation with the living God? Since we've been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ is what Romans tells us. Look, this isn't an escape. This isn't just a crutch. I mean, this is what our restless hearts are longing for. But this is what we're feverishly searching for in people, places, and accomplishments. We just come up wanting and empty. True peace is only found in Jesus Christ. And we're looking for it in so many other things and people and accomplishments. It won't be found. God stepped into space and time. He became what we are, skin and bones, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The greatest expression of love that we can imagine. Jesus wants you to have true peace. And he's made it possible for you to experience it. What did the shepherds do next? Did they post on social media? (laughs) Did they check out, you know, talk weather or sports? No, they didn't do any of that. They hurried off, like, let's go. Let's go check this out. They heard this startling, amazing message and went to see it for themselves, to investigate it for themselves. And when they found Jesus in that feeding trough, it was just as the angels said, It says in in verse 20 of of Luke chapter 2, they they leave the scene with praise on their lips and this faith in their hearts. How will you leave this scene? How will you leave this scene? Will you leave with praise on your lips and faith in your heart? It doesn't matter how you've come in here tonight. It doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus, or if you're brand new to following Jesus, or if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You're hearing it tonight. It's being held up for you tonight. How will you leave this scene? The banner, the sign. It's being held up. He is being held up. The story of Christmas is the story of an unassuming child born to intervene, born to bring the kind of peace we all long for, and it's given that we might have certainty. But look, that doesn't mean total comprehension. But it does mean total reconciliation.
total reconciliation with the living God, that you and I might have a living, breathing relationship with him. It's just awesome. Like the shepherds, you are now invited to see Jesus for who he is, receive all he has, and to bow your life before him. And my prayer has been all week that we would leave this place with with praise on our lips and faith in our hearts. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. We are humbled, and we worship you in response. We'll forever, all our days, give you praise and thanks for your humility and your love and your grace. The way you you got in our way, you intervened. We praise you. And Lord, you know it's, it's been my prayer that wherever... Lord, my friends are tonight, whether they, this is all brand new to them or they've been following you for a long time, that, Lord, you would bring faith, this gift of faith, and that it would grow in all of our hearts, and that wonder and awe and praise would spill out, that we would bow our lives before you, the only appropriate response to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen.